Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in, listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Well, stand to your feet with me if you would. Some of you are already holding your iPhones. I love it. You know the drill. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. And I boldly confess, my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. And I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, my precious, beautiful wife sends her love. She's out of town. And she said, please tell everybody I said hi. True story. And uh, <laughs> she misses y'all. She misses being in church. And uh, she's got some business to take care of. So she's doing that. And I get to come back and hang with y'all. Well, we're entering a season, um, you know, actually starts somewhere around Thanksgiving where... Uh, so many of our expectations are heightened, and, and we begin to consider all that we're about to experience this time of year with family and friends and gifts and, and just a lot of really good times. Uh, and sometimes it's a little rough. I mean, there are rough patches during the holidays, and we, we oftentimes uh, get caught up in that roughness in those difficult times and trying to figure out ways to navigate uh, family gatherings, and gift purchases, and money, and prizes. And in doing those things, we often lose our peace. And uh, you don't ever want, and I say that, better yet, let me say it this way, because I don't think you can lose your peace. I think we forfeit our peace. <laughs> uh, it's, it's really by design. We, it, it doesn't, peace doesn't just depart us. We give our peace away by giving our mind to things that we shouldn't worry about. And that we should not think about. I was on the way to church, and I, I, I'd already had the sermon prepared and sent about a week or two ago. But I was wanting to uh, kind of think about the, the physical uh, side of how peace affects us physically. And it says, number one, good health. Many people are sick. Some are hospitalized because they lacked peace of mind. This peace will give you a rested soul and body. It will keep, keep away worries, stress, depression, high blood pressure, and heart-related diseases. This reminds me of my mother who thought it was her duty to worry over everything. goes on to say, unfortunately, she developed high blood pressure, uh, died early when she should have lived. We really miss her. You know, there's a whole lot to be said uh, for for our thought life, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I don't know how many of you in here are fixers. That's my nature. I'm a fixer. And, and I walk around in life most of the time looking how things could be better, how they could be fixed, how people could. And, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to help people, but you can never fix people. You can help people, and you can help them find the right information to fix their own life, if you will. But you can't fix it. Neither can I. And I think it's interesting that the Son of God is also called the Prince of Peace. I think that's by design, knowing that peace would be very important and very, very vital to 
how we live, how we think, how we feel. So if you would, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. As you're turning there, uh, as I, on my call Wednesday night, I talked about delighting ourselves in the Lord and that He would give us the desires of our heart. Our hearts. One of the ways that we maintain peace and keep peace is by continually finding ourselves, delighting ourselves in the Lord. I believe the more that we focus on God and we delight ourselves in Him, the more aware He is of the things that are hidden in our hearts that we desire. So as we delight ourselves in Him, it says He gives us the desires of our hearts. And so if I could say anything as we approach Christmas, the celebration of, of Christ and His birth, is that we just focus on who God is. And how good our Father is. And watch and see how He responds without one request. Before you open your mouth, God knows what you want. Now think about it this way. God created the entire planet, the universe, the galaxies, by speaking the Word. In other words, the power of what we speak is beyond our comprehension. Now, God uses words as tools. Satan will use your words as weapons. And so we have to realize that both God, who is good, and Satan, who is evil, is taking the words that we speak and using them for us or against us. God is always looking at our words, and he's using those words that we speak to help us shape our lives and our future. If things are going bad, everybody typically knows it. You don't have to say anything. So what we have to do when things are not good is start talking about the way we want things to be. Now, if you look at the life of Christ, there were a lot of difficulties, a lot of hurdles, a lot of opposition. And Christ himself addressed the difficulties, such as in the world you have tribulation, take courage, I've overcome the world. He always finished everything with a redemptive statement. He always made sure that his words matched the words of his father. Yeah, things may be difficult for you right now. Things may not be looking better. However, you can't look so far ahead and, and looking ahead is not going to change it. The Bible says, don't even worry about tomorrow. Take no thought. It has enough worries of its own. So if you're looking and saying, looking ahead, trying to figure out how things are going to work out, not that you don't plan, but you cannot give yourself to tomorrow. You only have today. And can you imagine just for a moment that Mary is pregnant? Who in the world is going to believe that she has not had an encounter with a man. This had never happened. Never happened since. And now all of a sudden Mary is visited by an angel. First off, most people wouldn't even believe that. But now she has to go say, look, I'm pregnant, but I want to explain myself. Can you imagine trying to explain to people how much peace are you going to lose over this at night? How much sleep are you going to lose thinking they will never understand? How do I explain how I got this way? Well, if she tells them the truth, they're going to think she's crazier than if she told them a lie. 
So all kinds of things happen, and we look at the Bible, we look at Joseph and Mary, how awesome it would be to be Joseph, and how awesome, if you're a woman, it would be to be Mary and be that close to God and be used by God. But any time God's going to use us, it will not come without opposition and difficulty. If you want God to do something special in your life, get ready for a special assault from hell. The only way we keep our peace is to keep our minds on Him. And think, today is the day the Lord has made. If I keep my mind on Him, He'll keep me in peace. Everything's going to be all right. And yet, some of us have already, we, we are already at December 25th, and we know the dumbest relatives in the world are coming to our house to eat. And you're not even going to have fun for the next 20-some days because you're thinking about that day. You can't even get happy right now. You are fully aware that you have to put on the full armor of God. And you can't find your helmet. Your breastplate's been put away. Somebody took your shoes to goodwill. You can't shod yourself with nothing. And now you're losing your mind because you can't figure out how this is going to play out. I'm thinking Joseph and Mary are going, wow. I mean, they're the first couple in the Bible that we know eloped. They said, we got to get out of here. They went to Arkansas. Well, I guess it's Vegas now, isn't it? That's a new one. In Luke chapter 2, verse 1, let's go, let's go to the Bible for a minute. It usually helps. <laughs> In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. This is the first, this, I mean, tension, you think, I mean, this is a big deal. I mean, they're having, she's pregnant, they're having to become mobile. I mean, any of you women who have been pregnant, you don't want to travel in a nice suburban. (laughs) And it says, so Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Rejection. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you... Good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, suddenly. It doesn't say quickly. It says suddenly. Sometimes people look and say, I want it quickly. But no, it's suddenly. It's just out of nowhere. It pops up. This is how God works. You say, quick, quick, quick. I say, no, it will happen suddenly. And it says, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with an angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now, with this scripture, don't you know that Satan went, 
That's what I'm after. Is peace on earth. Peace to all people. He comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. The goal in our lives is to stay enveloped by heaven. Enveloped by the presence of God and by the Spirit of God. Peace envelops us. We do not envelop peace. It envelops us. And our words and our thought life. Mary and Joseph are traveling, difficulty, no place to stay, tension, rejection. And all of these things en route to give birth to the Son of God. Now, we see the Son of God as a person, but the reality is the Son of God was and is a person, but the attributes of God's Son are what we live by today. All of the qualities of Jesus Christ, the peace, the joy, uh, the, the grace, the mercy, the love, all of those things are embodied in the person of Christ. So as we pursue Jesus, we're not just pursuing a person. We're pursuing all that that person embodies. A lot of people only see his face in their image, in their mind, and they see him as a person without realizing he brought to earth all that heaven had. I was uh, in an Uber this last week and um, talking to the driver. You know, they always, well, not always, most of them try to talk to you and, and raise a tip. And he did a good job. I, I gave him one. He was kind of asking me, well, how much did this ride cost? And I'm thinking, you know how much this ride cost. Anyway, long story short, he says, well, what do you do? Well, I'm always hesitant to tell people what I do because it either leads to some, you know, they say never talk about politics or religion, number one. And then number two, when you tell them what you do, they usually quit talking to you in my world. Anyway, I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. And he, you know, then he, he fortunately clicked the religious switch on. So, well, you know, my wife, we have a baby and we're, she's expecting again in a few months. And he said, you know, we really don't go to church. He said, but, well, you know, I, I still have faith. I believe in God. So that's good. And I said, you know, I said, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I said, but let me tell you what church is. I said, everybody's focus on, in life who doesn't understand God, their focus is on going to heaven someday. Because nobody I've ever talked to really said, I'm excited about going to hell. Can't wait to get there. Never talked to anybody like that. I've seen people live that way, but I've never seen people or heard people say it that way. And so I said, you know what? Let me tell you what church is. I said, let me tell you why church is important. Church is not about getting people to heaven. Church is about getting heaven to people. That every time we come and worship, God says, I'll inhabit the praises of my people. Uh, in other words, a piece of heaven came down this morning. And I know it came down for those of you in your home. And you're, you're, you're watching, experiencing. I believe any time we worship God and you can't get to church, that, that I believe when we pause and we stop and we say, God, I'm just focusing on you. And uh, God just shows up. Now, I just want to say this to you. I know on Sunday mornings, it's no different than Monday through Friday. But when's the last time you got up on Monday morning to go to work and had an argument with your wife, couldn't get the kids out the door, or you had an argument with your husband, and you just called the boss and said, I'm just not going to make it today. We just had a difficult time this morning. <laughs> the only time people use that is on Sunday. Where the kid threw up. You don't care if the kid threw up on Monday. you got to go make some money. You'll take that kid to the nursery daycare throwing up wiping his mouth and not telling the daycare people because you've got to get to work 
I can't wait till church becomes like work. Because you'll be here all the time. Dear God. I wish in the Bible it would have said when the son returns, he will return to his local church. Nobody would miss a Sunday. And if you did, it would be with great fear and trepidation knowing that today could be the Sunday that Christ himself returns to take his bride home. And we would at least put a laminated note on the door. We have gone to heaven. Sorry you missed it. It's just a thought. I mean, I have these crazy thoughts because, I don't know, I just think that there's so much more to the Bible than we really read. I really think we just read it and we go over it and we feel good that we read the Bible instead of saying, I wonder what he really meant here. Explore what was going on in the heart and mind of Joseph and Mary in that moment. It wasn't like they ever thought they would give birth to Christmas. It didn't exist. That's our idea. It's a Jesus birthday. They didn't know that their son would be celebrated for thousands and thousands of years. Or maybe they did or they thought about it. But I think in the moment they're just thinking we're so happy we're having a son. And yet here we are this time of year again. And I I mean, I know that all of us are thinking, okay, how are we going to give everybody gifts? Those of us who have humongous families, oh, Jesus, help us. It's your birthday. I I think I'm just going to start telling everybody, hey, this is not your birthday. This is Jesus' birthday. You ain't getting nothing. We'll give you something on your birthday. You ain't getting nothing on his. Why do we do that? Anyway, I know why. I know. Some of you, I'll get an email, and you'll tell me ten reasons why. Because you'll Google it, Wikipedia, whatever. You'll go somewhere, and you'll give me 15 explanations. Pastor, here's why we do this. Let me get back to the point. Point is that already, I mean, even Susan and I are thinking, okay, man, we got, we got a lot of people in our family. And you're trying to figure out how to make everybody happy, right? That's, that's a little heavy. And how many of you know, and pardon me, fortunately, we, we're a little bit older church. We don't have a lot of millennials. But you could get a millennial something absolutely wonderful, and they'd look and go, huh, why didn't you get me then? We lose our peace trying to give the right thing. Recipients of gifts lose their peace because they didn't get the right thing. And before you know it, this holiday that's supposed to really be a holy day, it really loses its strength and power because it's no longer about Jesus. It's about us and the gifts we give or the gifts we don't get. And, and, and you, you, you know, you can sense when somebody opens a gift and it's not what they want, can't you? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Thank you. And you know that they're looking for the receipt so they can take it back. <laughs> See, you, you lost peace trying to buy it, and after they open it, you didn't lose it. You gave it up. You gave it away. Matter of fact, this year, Hopefully none of the kids are watching. I think I'm going to wrap up something really dumb and just watch them all open dumb gifts and see if they respond with gratitude. And if they do, I'll go get the real ones. Wouldn't that be fun? 
Or just put a note in a box, put a rock in there and say, you know, I just want you to know how much we love you this holiday season. You're gifted and wonderful and amazing, and we so are thankful for you. And then watch their response. That's what I'm going to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? And, and just, oh, wouldn't it be great if one of your kids went, this is the best gift I've ever gotten. Thank you so much, Dad. Doubt that that's going to happen. Probably need to smoke crack to make that happen. But just the thought of saying, how do we keep peace during a season that was designed for peace? Don't you think that Satan is aware of this season? I do. I think he's absolutely aware of it. And I think he does everything he can to oppose this holy season that we are now approaching or living in. So... I'm going to give us just a few things that fight our peace. Number one is greed. And you know, greed, when you use that word, we, we think it's one-dimensional. But greed can really just mean, you know, it, I mean, it could be as, as innocent as, you know, I, I love people and I like, but you know, I, I need some stuff for me. I need some. And you know, this time of year, honestly, I, I, I've told Susan, I don't get me anything, don't want anything, don't need anything. I, and I'm not saying that, and I know that, I know that giving is something that very near and dear to the heart of God, and I, I believe it's important that we give. I believe it's important that we receive gifts. And, and some of us, when I say this now, I can say that I believe that I no longer am saying it for the wrong reasons. Used to, I didn't want somebody to give me anything out of pride. It was pride. I was resistant. Now, it's really, honestly, I just want to, I want to so celebrate God. And be so focused on, on this being about him that it really doesn't even, th I don't think much about it. And probably because my birthday is so close to Christmas. It's tomorrow. I will be 62. And I should have never said that. But it's, it's one of those, now I'm celebrating because I never thought I'd live this long. <laughs> It's no longer, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm old enough to do this and old enough to do that. I can do whatever I want. It's, not, it's overrated. You know, now I'm just glad to be alive. Jesse, you're older than me. Jesse's older than me. As long as you're with me, my brother, I'm feeling really good. We got two old guys up here preaching to all these wonderful young people, don't we? And it's good for y'all because there's a little bit of wisdom between me and Jesse. We, we can put some together, can't we, brother? Uh, just a little bit. You did good last week. You're good. So thankful for him. You guys need to always love on my friend. I tell you, you've been a blessing to me, Jesse. I love you. Um, someone has said there are only two kinds of people. Those who are out to make better place for themselves in the world and those who are, are out to make the world a better place for everybody. So greed goes beyond just money and gifts. Are we trying to make the world a better place for everybody? You see, when Mary said, be it done unto me according to your word, what Mary was really saying is, this is not going to be really good for me right now. I'm going to be falsely accused. I'm going to be seen as a loose woman. I'm going to be seen a lot of different ways. So Mary wasn't looking and saying, this is all about me. How dare you, angel, come to me? How dare you, God, to, to try and 
destroy a reputation that has been good my whole life. And now all of a sudden, I find myself pregnant outside of marriage, and it's by an angel. How do you explain these things? But Mary said, I'm not going to try to make the world a better place for me. I'm going to try to make the world a better place for everybody else. You see, it gets greedy when we only think about what we need, what we want, how people treat us. You see, oftentimes we give away our peace when we want God to do something to somebody else. God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you letting them get by with this? And we give our peace away. And I was talking to a minister recently, and <clears throat> I oftentimes will get try my best to get with other pastors and, and spend a day or two just talking through things so I can see if, how my thinking is. And I was talking to a, a pastor this, this past week, and he had gone through a really tough time about five years ago, and, and there were some things done to him that, that were pretty hard. They were really, really hard. And, and he was telling me just this past week, he said, you know, I was praying... And, and there's a scripture that we've always read that God, the word of God says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. And he said, as I was praying, I realized this wasn't about me having a desire for God to pay the people back who wronged me. God spoke to me and he said, I will repay you for everything. Vengeance is mine. I will repay you. And he said, my blessing and my success, if you will, would be enough hardship on those who wronged me. He said, I don't even focus on them. He said, God said, I will pay you back. So if somebody's wronged, you don't lose your peace. Don't give it up. God knows everything that's happened to you. And now God says, there are, these are the things I want to do for you. You see, when we start thinking about what, what is happening to others, good or bad, we lose our focus. And we lose our peace. We give it up. So when we get greedy, that's what greed is talking about. It's not just talking about money. It's also talking about just our focus on ourselves. How often do we focus on, you know, I'd like for this to happen to me. Or I'd like to possess this. Or what, God, I need this. How often have you gotten up thinking, what could I do to help somebody else? How can I make this holiday season better for someone else? What can I do at the office that would elevate the atmosphere? What can I do in my community and neighborhood that would cause others to have a better week, a better day, a better life, a better month? What can I do? We get greedy. So, well, what do I want for Christmas? What? And even thinking, what am I going to get my kids? What am I going to get my wife? Even those thoughts are a little greedy thinking, you know what? What can we as a family do to contribute to society. We don't think that way anymore. And I, I love capitalism with everything in me. I'm a capitalist to the core. I believe that people ought to be rewarded for their investment in their work. I believe that. But what will we do with that which we're rewarded with? We share it. Second, peace stealer is ambition. Now, greed means I don't have enough. Ambition says I can get more. So ambition... On top of greed says, okay, I feel like I'm deprived. That means you're giving your peace away. Anytime you think you're not getting your fair share, you get angry. That's why a lot of people in America are angry. is because they, they don't feel like they're getting their fair share, but they're not doing anything to go get it. So now I don't get enough. Now I get ambitious, and I say, I'm going to find a way to get more, even if you have some. 
So now the question is, once you get more, what will you do with more? Because that's always the first question we have to ask. What will I do with my blessing? Because he told Abraham, I'm going to bless you so you'll be a blessing. So we know immediately that God wants us to be a blessing. In order to be a blessing, you must be first what? Blessed. So Galatians 5 says the acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage. Listen to this. Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live uh, like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Selfish ambition. I've never heard anybody talk about selfish ambition. They always talk about the first two or three. As if one is worse than the other. Selfish ambition is as dangerous as any of the other things mentioned in that verse. And this time of year, even though we don't consciously think about it, there is a lot of selfish ambition. How can I get more? Instead of, what would I do if I had more? What could I do? Ambition, according to one man, is the grand enemy of all peace. So how do I know if I have ambition? Okay, let me just give you a few things to think about. Where do I spend most of my time? Where do I spend most of my money? Where do I spend most of my energy? Because wherever those are, that's where my heart is. Now, this is not a rebuke or a, a spanking. It, this is simply saying, this time of year, I believe more than anything, this time of year, that we're supposed to have the most peace and joy and all of those things, that the enemy comes to steal that peace. And I want us to walk in peace. I want us to live in peace. And I want us to realize that the words that we speak this holiday season will either be used as a tool in the hand of God or a weapon in the hand of the enemy. Be careful what you say. Be careful how you speak. You know, someone, two people can say the very same words. And one of them, you feel love and compassion. And the other, you feel disrespected and dishonored. If someone looked at you and said, you know, I am so sorry for the misery that I sense in your life. The other one says, I'm so sorry you're a miserable human being. Pretty much the same thing. But one of them is addressing the emotion. The other is addressing the person. Anytime you address a person, it's assault on who they are. Anytime you address an emotion, it is a confrontation of what they're experiencing. And they don't want to experience that. Nobody wants to. So we need to be sure that we don't give up our peace and give it away by addressing things in a wrong fashion. And third, third and last thing is envy. So I don't have enough. I can get more. Envy. They have too much. <laughs> when you start looking around and, and you, you talk to people at the office and they tell you what they're going to get their kids and you know there is no way you can do that for yours. 
Or let's bring it closer to home. You talk to your brother or sister, and your brother and sister say, here's what I'm getting our kids for Christmas, and you go, there's no way I can do that. And now all of a sudden, the spirit of envy rises up in us, and, and we begin to feel a wrong emotion toward our family. Guess what? There goes the peace. It's gone. It no longer exists. Because our focus, once again, is outside on somebody else, what they have and what we don't have. We need to be grateful for all that we do have. If we are a thankful people, we will be a people of peace. Gratitude is absolutely critical. I'm going to close with this story. It may not mean much to all of you or many of you, but as a pastor, it means the world to me. Because when I first planted a church, you, you first are in competition with yourself. You're first trying to in the natural, prove to yourself or prove to your family that you can do something for God. You can build a church. You can, you can have an impact. And so not that those are necessarily horrible things, but, but they're not glorifying things. And so then you start looking around and seeing how you measure up against other churches and other people. These are all young pastor problems. And sometimes they remain old pastor problems. And so this, this, this story has always touched me. These are very reputable theologians that lived a long time ago that you may not be aware of. But one of them's name is F.B. Meyer. He was the pastor of Christ Church in London at the same time that G. Campbell Morgan was the pastor of Westminster Chapel, which I had the privilege of preaching at uh, some years back. And uh, Charles A. Spurgeon was the pastor of Mel Metropolitan Chapel. Both Morgan and Spurgeon often had much larger audiences than F.B. Meyer. Troubled by envy, Meyer confessed that not until he began praying for his colleagues did he have peace of heart. When I prayed for their success, he said, the result was that God filled their churches so full that the overflow filled mine, and it's been full ever since. So start praying for people that you would envy. Don't give your peace away because somebody else seems to be more blessed than you. When you start praying for them, the overflow of what you've prayed for, God's going to bring to your life. So you can keep a peace that passes all understanding. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that your son is known to us today as he was thousands of years ago as the Prince of Peace. Jesus, today, be the prince in our hearts, in our lives. Lord, be the peace that passes human comprehension. That when people look at us, they would sense something different. That they would sense a calm, a peace that is not understandable by the carnal mind. Lord, cause, empower, equip us. May we keep our minds focused on you. The greatest challenge to that peace for most people today is where they will spend eternity. The thought of eternity frightens people. It's invisible. It's unknown. This time of year, the question is, oftentimes, I wonder what heaven's like. I wonder what hell will be like. I, I wonder where I will spend eternity. I wonder when I pass where I will go. When we begin to think in those terms, the unknown to us forfeits our peace. 
The only thing that keeps me held together in my life is knowing that I am a sinner saved by grace. The peace that I have is not because I'm perfect or always do right. The peace that I have is because God is always perfect and He always does right. And He sent His Son so that I would not have to live a life void of peace and filled with fear. So that we don't have to do that. You can be born again. You can be saved and set free today. It's a choice. It is a choice. Those of you watching online, today, your life can be changed forever by one decision to today to say, Christ, Jesus, I am a sinner and I need to be saved. Please forgive me. That acknowledgement identifies the power of the cross, the power of the Son of God, the power of grace and mercy. That you and I cannot work our way into heaven, but we can walk our way into heaven by walking hand in hand with Him. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Those of you watching online, I want to ask you to pray a prayer with me right now. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus, the Prince of Peace, the author of salvation, to give his life for me and to give his peace to me. Today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. I repent. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.